Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Evenings at 6. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It's going to be a great, great day. Happy Monday. I love Mondays. I hope you had a great weekend, and I'm going to have my friend uh, and colleague Patrick Albany's on the show. As you know, we start our Mondays with a little bit on the light side, and then uh, Pastor David Miles is coming into the studio, and then it's going to just uh, continue on from there. It's going to be a great show. And if you are interested in uh, telling stories or if you love stories, you're going to love uh, our two as well. Uh, so it's going to really be a great show today. So let me take uh, my 60 seconds, which we always do, and then I'll bring on Patrick, and he's in his car today on the road. We'll find out more about that in just a minute. Grow in your faith every day through Faith Radio. We offer unique, original content through daily live and nationally recognized programs. You can find local airtimes for all your favorite shows by visiting MyFaithRadio.com and clicking on the Schedule tab. And if you ever miss a show, you can always listen to the podcast anytime. Check out your local schedule page under the Schedule tab at MyFaithRadio.com. Whether it's the cry of an unborn child or the cry of a heart that's hurting and searching for redemption, life is precious. As you listen to Faith Radio, we can develop a deeper love for all life and all people because that's what happens when you develop a deeper love for God. Connecting faith to life, which brings new life. Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome to uh, Monday. And you know, Monday, I start off with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. Uh, well, I am I am actually rapidly leaving the great state of Iowa, so we're going to have to hurry up with the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, you know, the highest elevation here is that do not pass sign I just passed. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people could hear us right now, you know. <laughs> I'm just looking for my show prep, you know, those notes. The ah, notes? Ah, here they are. Call Patrick. There we go. Let's get started. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you... Uh, you called me on an unfamiliar number, and uh, generally I, I don't answer, but I am driving across Iowa and was kind of lonely, <laughs> so <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, what the heck, I'll listen to your pitch for hearing aids. Right. Uh, I appreciate you taking I get, the call. I get, I get three calls a day for hearing aids, That's and too funny. I have no idea how they know. I have no idea how they, well, I think they're for hearing aids. I'm not really sure. It's just, there's nobody there on the other end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, how was your weekend? Let's get things started. Well, it was, uh, what happened? Oh, we had the Pinewood Derby this weekend. So, uh, a 
as you know, that is where all the uh, eight to ten year olds display the cars that their dads made and say, I really worked hard on this. (laughs) There were some really nice cars there. And one of them, I I said, I smell a rat. I go, that that had to be taken to an auto body shop to get painted. Uh, We invited a couple of people out to have a little bite to eat after the uh, festivities. And one of the guys, I don't know him very well, he says, yeah, I needed a little help this year. So, I took my son's car to the auto body shop. I go, it was you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. And my son's car did not win a single race. He was, he never cared before, uh, but he cared. So he he was crying. It was, it was heartbreaking, but everybody loved his car. I saw a picture of it. You sent it to me and it's adorable. And I'm surprised he didn't get all kinds of attention for it. Well, here's the attention he got. Um, Everybody, so to, to describe for the listener what he had, he decided to make it look like the, uh, a television remote control. And I mean, here's how, how much it looked like a television remote control. When his car was on display, everybody went up to it and started pushing the buttons because they thought that he had cheated and glued some wheels on the bottom of a remote control. So now they're breaking his car because they're, the buttons are glued on. It's very, you know, it's made in kind of a rickety fashion. It's just made to look good. Uh, it does not made to perform, kind of like you and me. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, I had to stand guard over his car and say, please, do not touch the merchandise. Yeah, good for you. So he, he got so many accolades over the idea, the cleverness, the execution. But, you know, for some reason this year, um, he... You know, decided he had wanted his car to win a race. And uh, the cars that win the races all look exactly the same because you have to follow a pattern. And it really hinders your creativity. And I say, you're a creative guy. You you don't want your creativity hindered by, you know, the design that says this will win, but it won't look good. You want yours to look good. So uh, we were able to talk him out of his sadness, but it kind of broke my heart a bit. You know, just because I thought, wow, you were so excited about this, but secretly you you kind of wanted to win. I guess we're all like that. We we enter things and we think, it'd be nice to win, wouldn't it? Yeah, but that is one of those moments, though, as a parent, where you go, you've got a, a kid with a, a sad heart, and, you know, you've got this chance to to process it with him and love him through it and and realize things are going to be okay. Yeah, and I uh, I will say this: it was worth. I I wouldn't script it any other way. If I could go back and redo it and make his car into the speedster, where he won a trophy, uh, just you know, and they're not very good trophies. They look like uh, you know something bought at the dime store. Um, I don't. I wouldn't trade that for the bonding that we had over coaching him through a disappointment because life's going to hand you a bunch of those. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the sooner you can learn to work with some of those things, there's a a kid at these Pinewood Derbies to to elaborate that every year his car wins wins fastest and every year the car looks the same and they're kind of boring. And his dad, you know, has been a, a scout his whole life. And so he knows all the secrets and tricks 
and now this kid has this accumulation of um, trophies. But I think you have you don't even know what it's like to lose anything yet. And that day comes, uh, you know. I mean, it's nice to have all the trophies, but it's also nice to understand, you know, life has disappointments, and there are bigger things. And you know, I, I don't want to put God into the Pinewood Derby, but. Uh, I feel that God works through things like that and says, you know, for you, young boy, it's about more. This was about bonding with your dad. This was about, you know, understanding excitements and disappointments and uh, coming through it. And then, you know, an hour later, he's running and playing with his friends as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually was a lot of fun. Oh, good. So you were, yeah. you were just going to ask me how my weekend went, I think. I was... <laughs> Well, I, now, uh, we should be, in full disclosure, let the uh, the listeners know. I have an inkling down here weekend one, but <laughs> by all means, hang on a second. Can you, can you edit that part out? Oh, no, we're live. You can't edit. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can't uh, edit that. Hey, Bill, how was your, how was your weekend? Well, it was interesting. Anything, anything unusual happened? Well, it was interesting because uh, my furnace went out, and when I came to work today, I asked for a $5,300 raise. Which, by the way, was denied. But, uh, now, here's the thing. Did, did they even think about it? Nope, nope. Didn't even think about it. But I am oh, working on good. a little uh, booklet called The Shiver Diet, and I have lost four pounds. <laughs> if, if you just stand around shivering all day, you do burn more calories. Well, not only that, but think of the electricity you saved. That's true, too. That's you know, true, too. You know, you, you're not running a furnace, uh, which yours might be gas or electric, but you were able to turn the fridge off. Yeah, yeah, so it's all and, good. And uh, I believe you charged your neighbors for meat storage. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I got a rack of ribs in my dining room, which I might end up eating myself. All right. Well, let let, be let yeah. me take a little break. When I come back more with Patrick Albanese, my guest, who is today on the road. When we come back, I'll let you know why he's on the road. We'll be back in 90 seconds. the show. I'm on the phone with Patrick Albanese, who's usually in studio at his home, but this time he's in his car driving to the old Windy Apple, Chicago. Yes. Yes. Right. So uh, I love that because they, they're the ones with the arch. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yes. So uh, yeah. why are you going to Chicago? Well, one of my best friends, uh, mother passed away a few days ago. Uh, so we, as you know, we are all at that age where, uh, we're losing parents. It, it's the, it's you know, the one club, it's the one club I don't like being in. And all of us are, uh, members. We're all, we're all becoming members. And, uh, th- this particular friend, his mother was kind of mom number two to me growing up because I spent the majority of my teenage years uh, at his house. So uh, his mom was, you know, she was kind of like my second mom, and she took people under her wings like that anyway. 
Yeah. So uh, everybody that will be at the funeral will be a child of hers. Okay. So if your mom had had uh, discipline authority, let's say of a hundred percent, your friend's mom had discipline authority of about what ninety nine percent. I I would say yeah. She was um, she, she was there was there were many wonderful things about her. She was always your biggest uh, cheerleader, and at the same time your biggest challenger. You know, she could she could involve you in something and says, on one hand, say, I have faith that you can do this. Now, don't mess it up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it was uh, I, there was a time. So I'm in high school. I'm 15 or 16 years old. And uh, her son and I, she manages to book us in a nightclub in Chicago as a magic act. A couple of kids in high school. Which, of course, we had to get special permission to even be in the place and I had to leave school early so I'm cutting out of geometry to go do magic shows as Connie Stevens opening act oh that's now, too much you're thinking to yourself how is it possible that a couple of 16 year old kids were able to finagle being the opening act for a pretty big time celebrity at a top Chicago club where, you know, we weren't even supposed to be there. You know, uh, uh, we weren't allowed in. You know, we had to come in back doors and all that. And that was my friend's mom. She says, I, you guys can do this. And I booked it, and I gave them my full faith that you will do a great job. Now don't mess it up. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, she, was, she was one of those people that had faith in you and pushed you beyond your limits all the time and uh, uh, you know it's it's one of those people and I'm sure you have this you look back on your life and you say I've met you know I've met hundreds of people in my life that I would consider friends and dozens upon dozens of them that I would consider close friends but maybe of those dozens and dozens two maybe two of them have a mother or a father that I say that person was an influence on me. Wouldn't you say that was maybe is, how do you think about my, what do you think about my math there? I like the math. I think you're absolutely spot on. Yeah. You go all these friends, but yeah, there's a couple, you know, that guy right there, his dad was this influence on me. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't even realize that he was taking me under his wing and giving me life advice that I wouldn't even realize for years was part of who I became. Yeah, so, so how, that was. Yeah. How do we pay that forward? And are you paying it forward? I am doing my best to pay it forward. Yeah. You know, my friend's mother's name was, her name was Joy. And we always, as the years went on, we said, you know, there are very, very few people that are appropriately named. Uh, you know, if the members of ZZ Top were all named Harry, you'd say, yeah, that fits, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, but she was joy personified, always, you know, always servicing you. Uh, and so you realize, gosh, that servant mentality, where did it come from? Um, she was a religious woman, although she didn't really wear it on her sleeve much. But it was the core of who she was. And that service mentality, you know, it was interesting. We, 
my friend and I, many years ago, went to a Chicago Bears football game. Monday night, freezing out. We uh, we get back to his house, and his mom says, you know, you guys want a cup of hot cocoa? Yeah, that'd be nice. So we get a cup of hot cocoa, and we're sitting drinking a cup of hot cocoa, and five minutes later, another cup of hot cocoa makes her way in under the table. We're like, that's that's fine. That's that's good. We're good. We're good. We're good. And five minutes later, another cup of hot cocoa <laughs> finds its way to the table. We're like, please, please, just we're good. About ten minutes later, a pitcher of hot cocoa <laughs> shows up. Fifteen minutes later, another pitcher of hot cocoa, followed by a third pitcher of hot cocoa. And we had to go take the pan away from her. But she just wanted to, in her like almost overzealous way, make sure we had whatever we needed to be happy at that moment. Mm-hmm. And she always, always overdid it. You know, I'm sure that when we meet again, you know, there'll be that big smile, the big warm hug, arms wide that she was pretty well known for. And then she'll mm. say, would you like a cup of hot cocoa? <laughs> <laughs> Only this time I'm going to say, yeah, and could you keep it coming, please? <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. You know, it, it is, yeah. uh, it's a great lesson to to fuss over people once in a while because people know yeah. when they've been fussed over. Have you found as you get older that it's actually fun to fuss over people and you say to yourself, how did I miss out on this? No, I was completely. so selfish. Yeah. So selfish. And now, oh my gosh, this is fun. Yeah. And then I know. Great lesson. Yeah. And then of course there's always this premise that, uh, you know, you've got what you believe how life is going to go and then it goes the way it goes and it doesn't always line up the same way. Right. You know, and you know, another testament to my friend's mother is her, you know, her, she had major setbacks, you know, uh, his father asked for a divorce and he uh, went off and got remarried and started another family and all but abandoned them. And this is in the seventies and she decides to start her own business instead of staying home and crying about it. And she became hugely successful starting her own business. She just was, okay, that's, well, that's how that went. And, you know, I often see how sometimes a simple thing seems to derail me. But then you look at the major things that some people endure, we say, look what it did to them. It forged an amazing person. And I think that's why it is so critical. And I've got a, a guest coming on the show today talking about how important it is to share stories, how the legacy of the stories in life are so important. And we're always about one generation away from the story becoming extinct. Yes. So it'll be, cu- oh, that's... It, it'll be curious to, to find out what stories are told of her life at the service and how important those stories become. And then the next thing is, who else do you know? Do you know that knows her that could provide information about her life? Yeah, because I obviously wasn't there for all of it. Uh, and so, you you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience. Uh, maybe your own mother. You know, did you, have you ever had, uh, you know, well, how, do I know anybody better than my own mother? And then maybe an uncle comes over and says, I remember this one time, your mother. And they tell you this amazing story, and you say, what a detail. I wish I had known that. My, I, at my own mother's funeral, 
uh, I, I found out something about my mom that I did not know. Mm-hmm. So she gave birth to eight children. That I did know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when she was pregnant with my sister, baby number seven, uh, at that point in time, the oldest child is seven years old, going on eight. So there's six, there's six babies, six kids under the age of seven meandering around and we all had the chicken pots and my mom I go how did how is it that I got to ask her about this actually I said how is it you would never tell us that story that you you when I complain about things you were wrangling six children while eight months pregnant and all the kids had chicken pox and you've never breathed a word about it that says so much about your character and then I realized her not talking about it also said so much about her character. Yeah, it's so true. So how many more of those stories are there? Great question. Yeah. You know, the Bible talks so specifically about um, using words to uplift and, and elevate people and build and encourage them up. So maybe it's a good filter to have on your, your brain that says, when I open my mouth, what words are going to come up? And will they be uplifting to somebody? We- Oh, yes. And, and what wonderful things can you share with people about someone close to them that they might, like, for instance, uh, and you have my promise on this, I will, for as long as I can, and I'll ask my children to continue the story, I will tell people about your 24-hour furnace ordeal. <laughs> <laughs> I so appreciate that. that. That story will live on. I want yeah. you to know. I am so happy to know that. Um, I appreciate you taking the time on the road with Patrick Albanese uh, on his way to Chicago. And I give my um, my best to Craig, your friend, and his family. And thank you for uh, doing the show as you're tra- traveling. Thank you for having me on. I, I, I As you know, I, I never want to miss. I know. That's uh, why I appreciate it. You took the time to do this. Yeah. Well, have a great... My dr- pleasure. Yeah, have a great rest of the day and a safe drive. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. As you know, he's my first guest of the week on Mondays, and uh, I will take a short break and be back with lots more.
that he shed for me I know it was way back Way back on that cross of Calvary Don't you know that same blood Loving that My guest is Reverend David Miles. He's an adjunct professor here at the University of Northwestern and also is the Life Groups and Leader Development Pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. David, nice to have you back. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Rebecca. Great to be with you guys as always. Yeah, you are just a fast friend. Aw. You just became a fast friend. We just love having you here. Well, I love being here with you guys. I can tell. You always come with so many um, great, challenging thoughts and you're you're always in the word and you always bring truth in such a wonderful way there's my introduction for you does that work humble to be here thanks and grateful to be a child of god all right let's talk a little bit today about um inspiring us believers because uh, we know how the story ends yeah and you know a lot of us are, are doing our bible readings now we're starting off our new year and you know, God's, God's doing his work in us. Yes, he is. And we serve a sovereign, um, holy, and perfect God. And we have a father in heaven who's a good father um, who loves us with an everlasting love that's displayed repeatedly in the, in the uh, cross of Christ. And um, I think because of that security in him, it allows us to face each day, and there's multitude of songs, you know, the, the well-known hymn, you know, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow, that's rooted in the steadfast love of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's powerful, and as I think of the, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I'm always reminded that he will walk through every episode of my life right along with me. I love that Hebrews um, 13.5 passage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I remember how one of my mentors who uh, had, was teaching it to a class of us, and he actually looked at the tense of it, and he said, in the original, it actually reads as, I will never know not ever leave you, nor never know not ever forsake you. And so in the English, it's really rich. And then in, in, the, in the ancient language, it's even more powerful. It's like God's like, get this. No, really, I will not leave you. Mm. I will never, know, not ever leave you. That's, that's pretty strong. Yeah, Bill. Pretty I think convincing. It's really convincing. Yeah. And, and so one thing that's helpful for us to remember is that in Christ, we're fully known, fully loved, with no fear of rejection. Because think about this. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And knowing everything that he knows about ourselves, even that we don't know, he fully loves us. Because what do we often think? You know, you meet someone, and if that person ever got to know me, they wouldn't what? Like me. Or love Love me. me. Yes. And here God fully knows us, and knowing everything, good, bad, and ugly, and super ugly, (laughs) like like the U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no Adabai. Right, yeah. Don't look at me when you say that. (laughs) That was hurtful. I was looking over you. Oh, no, you weren't. Beautiful trees out there. Yes. Um, but fully knowing all these things about us, he fully loves us, and therefore in Christ there's no fear of rejection. I like that. So you also, um, I've been studying Ephesians chapter 1. I've been trying to memorize the book of Ephesians. That's one of the things I'm going to try to do in this 2020. Ooh, yes. And 
you um, you also have got some study notes for me out of Ephesians chapter one, don't you? I have some study notes yes, for you. Yes, you do. Wow, God's word's incredible. That's what I mean. I love this passage. Actually, um, when I do a salutation in my email, I sign it blessings, and it's not because of like a fluffy blessing, but it's because you know the blessings that we find that are written in Ephesians, and so. You know, when Paul writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's what, what I'm, I'm desiring for people mm-hmm. and even in, in writing off. And it's, it's beautiful because verse 4 goes, even as he chose us in him. And as you go through chapter 3, um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, you'll repeatedly see in him, in Christ, Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. In him, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. And so the important thing is not, this is the beauty of the gospel. It's not about having good maxims or having great principles or, you know, even a great philosophy of, of, of life. The reality of it is it's in Christ that we have life. It's in Christ that we are blessed. It's in Christ through whom the gospel I love that in him. So being in him is essential, critical. It's where we are as believers. Yes. In him. Is that also abide? That's abide. Okay. John 15 and abiding in the vine. Um, It's also because it's in him that there is no name given to man by which they may be saved. Mm -hmm. But the name of Christ. Yeah. And it's not that we need it like more knowledge, you know, one of my favorite verses is um, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God uh, made him, Christ, who knew no sin to be sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's what we needed. We needed righteousness. Mm-hmm. We needed God's righteousness and having a right standing. And that is only possible in Christ and through Christ. Yeah. So, David, you made a mention of God knows everything about us from head to toe, and he will never leave us or forsake us. He loves us. Yet so many fear rejection. So why are there so many of us afraid to lose his favor that would be suddenly um, not in good standing with him? Well, one of the central places to start is the reality of the fall and that in the fall um, of mankind through Adam and Eve, it says afterwards that their eyes were open and they saw their nakedness and they hid themselves. And we've been hiding since. So when we think about this, um, Bill, we often, we think about the whole issue of fear. Fear is such a powerful thing also because it's one of the first emotions that we felt. Because remember, God comes walking through the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, I hid myself. Why? Because I was afraid. And so um, people who have done studies on procrastination note that there's this thing called just noticeable difference where you can touch yourself and it registers in like 500 milliseconds. Mm -hmm. But fear registers in 14 milliseconds. So by the time you're feeling fear, you've already been hit with the stimulus and it's always going going away from you. Wow. And that's why some things when we're fearful are so hard to overcome. But what did Jesus repeatedly say? 
comes walking on the water and he says, fear not. Mm-hmm. It is I. He, he enters into the room. Fear not. Yeah. Peace be with you. And so fear is one of the things. So we continually hide from one another. And, um, and, and at the same time, we long deep transparency and communion and fellowship with one another. Yeah. David, was that the first time Adam was afraid after the partaking of the fruit? And if you're walking around the garden in communion with, communion with God, have you ever been afraid up until the point of sin? I would say no. I would say no, too. Yeah. Thank you. I, I would, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I'd say on this, Bill and Rebecca, is this. I think sometimes we underestimate, I'm not sure if this is the right word, so to all the grammarians out there, I'm sorry, that we don't understand the truly deeply fracturous nature of sin. Like, really what happened in the fall. Like, it really went deep down. And, and at the same time, God looks at us and says, we're beautifully, wonderfully, and fearfully made. But just how fracturous this whole issue of the fall was. But we can see that it is because the only remedy for an omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowing God of the universe was to say, my son shedding his blood is the only remedy for this. So for him, it was not like just like we have idiosyncrasies. So, David, if we have adversity in our life, which we all do, and let's be honest, it seems to be around all the time, right? Yep. Yeah, some adversity. Not a matter of if, just when. Yeah, it's it's not a matter of if, when, when. And pain is so universal. I think um, Viktor Frankl, in, in his book, The Meaning of... of Man's Search Man's, for Meaning? Yeah. Yeah. He talks about the universality of pain. Right. There's just too much pain out there that we're not going to avoid it. And and even, let's say, a person's like, I don't want to reach out to a person and connect because I might experience pain. Well, in the process of, of being separate from people, you're experiencing pain. And so it's realizing that pain is real and pain is a part of the journey and, and that God is a good God even through the pain. And we don't want to not be able to feel pain, you know, because there's, I think, is that part of leprosy that people can't feel or I might have the wrong one where people can actually touch hot plates and stuff and not realize that their skin is burning because they've lost the ability to feel pain. Mm. So we don't want that, you know. So pain can be a gift. It can be a signal to us. So let's talk a little bit more about adversity because you say that it's a, a blessing and is the fertilizer to God's future harvest in and through us. Yes. Okay, so that's a good starting point because, you know, we're supposed to welcome adversity even though we don't like it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to uh, trust that God is going to be doing something pretty spectacular in our life. Yeah, we sometimes don't like adversity and... and um we're not always in love with change. Um, pastor Roger, one of our, our uh, at New Hope Church, one of our visitation pastors, he actually, this afternoon, he had made the comment that the only people who like change are babies with dirty diapers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody else is like, you know, they're just kind of muddling through that yeah. and saying, no. Um, but adversity, um, it, it causes us to press more fully into Christ. Because our resources get burnt up, 
and we realize how finite we are. And then adversity often, um, it can, it can bring the best out in us. And we ask God, help us to become, kind of as I think of my mom, and we talked about her last time, my mom had this uncanny ability that in life she became better instead of bitter mm. the older she got. And, you know, and so that she wasn't a bitter person. She just continued to get better and rejoice over life. And she would tell you, my hope is in Christ, you know. So adversity, um, you know, as we're thinking about a number of people uh, had heard about Kobe Bryant's death. Um, I remember an interview for him, but also for Michael Jordan, that it was actually the adversity of other teams that actually made them better players. And so sometimes we don't want adversity, but adversity is that thing which actually can help us grow. And, you know, a number of people have taken up the resolution of um, getting in shape. And so you're putting your muscles through adversity, through stress in order to build them. You're taxing your system. But we don't like it. I mean... We're not always in love with adversity, and, and even though Scripture, like Peter says, you know, if, if these trials come upon you, don't act surprised, but the truth of it is, well, you guys are a little bit more probably down the road and mature than me. I'm still <laughs> surprised. I'm kind of like, God, this was not on my day planner for this today, yeah. and so, um, yeah. Isn't it safe to say, though, David, you look back at the times in life when you were almost feeling the most panicked or complaining or uh, just felt a little out of sorts that you look back at those times and you go, those were pivotal. That's when God was reaching me and doing something significant yeah. in my life. It, it really was. And one wise uh, leader that I knew, a guy named Tom Mao, Tom used to say, you know, if you want to sit down and have a conversation and have me tell you about our, my successes, it's going to be a very short conversation. But if you want to sit down and have me tell you the things that I've learned and the things that God has brought me through, through trial and even difficulty. He goes, I have things to share. And I think we're walking wounded people who actually point to yeah. a great physician. Yeah. And in fact, there might be a listener out there today that just this is resonating with him or her and saying, God taught me something pretty spectacular. And if you have that story and can send it in the form of a text, we'd love to hear about it. 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four eight seven seven nine three three twenty four eighty four. We'll take a short break and be back with Pastor David Miles. the show getting getting some nice messages from listeners today about the music i was saying the music well yeah it's, it's grooving man yeah michelle said i love the bluegrass jam play more often thanks for your show that's pretty sweet and then another listener named laurel said uh my goodness i love the music today first there was great bluegrass now a little andre crouch thank you oh yes so he mixed a little music in with the talk i call it a winning formula david it is, you know, and, and even as we gather with the larger body of Christ and those who are listening today, Andre Crouch has that, Andre Crouch has that song, Let the Church Say Amen. You know, let the church say amen. You know, God has spoken. Let the church say amen. So even on that bill, with adversity, God help us as his followers, as his people to say amen, which is yes. 
you know, to say yes, Lord, um, in the midst of these things. And sometimes people get thrown into things that they're not exactly ready for, and they feel the weight of it. I mean, we only know one named Michael King, whose name was eventually changed to Martin Luther King Jr. Why? Precisely because of adversity mm-hmm. that he went through. And as we look back on the history of our nation, a number of things that call back to mind are things where we as a people have had to respond to great adversity and great tragedy. And we found um, a depth of strength and a resiliency and even common unity with one another by going through those things together. And it was a letter from Birmingham jail that King said that, you know, I will always obey God's law first. God's, uh, I will always be obedient to him first before any human law. Yeah. And he, he, you know, that letter um, is one of the literary masterpieces that we've been left with. And yet it's through the adversity of persecution and unjust persecution that lands him into jail that we have that letter. Just like, uh, Bill, as you were saying earlier, you're enjoying Ephesians. But what is Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon? Those Mm -hmm. are prison prison letters. letters. And so it's actually being in prison, which we should actually have a great heart even for prisoners because, you know, Jesus was in prison, Joseph, um, you know, Daniel, you know, all these various people that we love in Scripture experienced this type of trial. Um, So, but it's their adversity um, that we speak about. And even Christ's adversity in the cross and dying, and we celebrate it because man has a one-for-one correlation. We are born and we will die, except for Jesus. Jesus is the only one who came, lived, said he would die, said he would raise again from the dead, and he did. And so really with things, that right there, it's the game changer with all world religions and thought, with all philosophies that are out there, that's a game changer. It comes down, as one man said, we're either saved by what we do, you know, be it you know, journey to Nirvana, make a, a, a pilgrimage to Mecca, all these various things like that, emptying ourselves, reincarnation, or we're saved by what has been done for us. And Romans 5, 8 clearly says that while we were yet sinners, when we were bankrupt, when we had nothing to bring to the table but a hundred quadrillion debt and everyone left because the party was over, it says at that moment, that's when Christ died for us. That's what his work that he did, and we're saved by what he has done. I love it. There's a listener that said, I haven't quite learned the lesson yet, but I'm desperate for God to reveal himself through this. We're talking about adversity. Hmm. She goes on to say, God wants us to push through and get closer to him. I don't always know the reason why he doesn't like this, but he does, and he works even when we don't feel it. This is a very timely interview. Thank you. Yeah, for that dear listener and dear brother and sister in Christ, um, you know, this morning I was I was sitting there thinking, even as I was driving, paying attention while I was driving, sure but thinking were. through, and uh, and just kind of thinking back 
we see things a little bit more clearly after we've gone through them. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're in the middle of it and we're looking at the windshield and it's kind of like, what in the world? But after we um, we go through it, it makes a little bit more sense. And, and it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, this might be to your Andre Crouch again. You know, what is it? By and by, when the morning comes and all the saints, you know, have gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Mm. So we don't understand things immediately or at this moment. And some things even don't necessarily seem like they make sense, um, but they do later on. And even on this note, as I said, I've been blessed, and it's probably because God knew I needed a lot of help, that he's blessed me with some mentors in my life. And I remember one mentor said, you can follow the Lord down something and he can tell you to go do this, you know? And he says, there's been times in my life where the Lord said, I want you to do this. And I've gone and it's like completely blown up. It's failed. And some people are like, why did you do that? That was a failure. No, it was a success in you obeying the Lord and listening to his voice to trust him to even walk in that way, you know? Because so often we get transactional with things where we're like, I'm not sure I want to do that because I might waste time. You know, I might squander time. And so we get transactional when God's like saying, I want you to trust me with this. I want you to abide in me. I want you to follow me in this. And we start to do the pros and cons. And sometimes there's going to be, Tammy and I can talk to us. There's been times where God's like, do this. And the cons list of doing this far outweighed (laughs) the one or two pros list. Mm. But that's what he, he said, go do. And in retrospect now, I'm so glad that I didn't trust in my own wisdom or lean on my own understanding. Safe to say, David, that the con list may always appear longer? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the con list for Jesus, uh, when the devil's tempting him in Matthew uh, chapter 4, after 40 days in the desert, you know, here, turn this stone into a loaf of bread, satisfy your personal comfort. Mm Mm-hmm. He says, it is written. And he says, well, I'm going to take you to the top of the pinnacle of the temple. You're 450 feet over the Kidron Valley. Throw yourself off the top of this this temple. Float down. Do your best Iron Man impersonation, fulfilling Malachi 3.1. And all the people are going to say, wow, Jesus, you're so cool. And he says, it is written. And then finally, the devil shows him all the you know, kingdoms of the world. And he says, all of these things I will give you if you bow down and worship me. All of these things. Now, Jesus could have, because the scripture says that he gave him all the kingdoms, but there'd been one small little problem. He wouldn't have gone to Calvary, which would have been an eternal hurt for us. Mm -hmm. And so he said, no, it is written, you know, and he trusted in the Lord because the con list is... Pronounced. Let's get this right. You're the eternal son of God. Colossians says you've made and created all things, and yet you, you're, you're completely holy, but you put on flesh, move into the neighborhood, John 1.14, and one of the saddest passages in Scripture is John 1.12, when it says, and Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. He holds all things together. He created all things. He even created that person's ability and our ability not to receive him. And he does that, and then he goes and lives life, and then he dies on a cross and gets whipped. So there's a whole bunch of cons mm-hmm. uh, on that. 
And uh, and the truth of the matter in in an incredible passage is um, in the garden when the the chief when Peter cuts off the ear of Malchus, Jesus says, "Put away your your sword." He says, "Could I at not once called ten legion of angels for my father to come and save me?" And in a Roman legion is between forty six hundred and sixty four hundred troops. And if you go back to Second Kings nineteen thirty five. When the Assyrians evade and Hezekiah cries out to the Lord, it says in that verse that on one night, in one night, the angel of the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrians. So doing the math, Jesus was sitting there saying this to the disciples in the garden that he could call 10 legion of angels. At that moment, he had at his disposal angels that could kill between 9.32 and 14.47 billion people. Oh, there's some, there's some power there. So he could have sat up on the Mount of Olives with an iced tea and said, game, set, match, but he still went to the cross. Amazing. What a great, great story and a great reminder of his deep, deep love for us. David, Miles, thank you so much for being here in the studio. I think you're going to do this regularly, aren't you, coming by? Um, I think you, yeah, we'll come hang out with each other. Cool. I love that. I like that. Thanks, guys. No, really, I look forward to being with you guys. Good deal. David Miles has been my guest. We'll take a little break, and hour two is just ahead. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.